this is Jordan Van Trump with Farm Tank. Farm Tank is an organization I formed for individuals and business owners to learn the latest in innovation, execution, and motivation. I believe there's a huge demand for hearing how others have become successful in life. I'll be traveling the world talking to some of the most influential CEOs and founders to help everyone learn and be more successful in their near future. The agricultural community has been extremely grateful to me and my family, so I'd like to do the same for everyone else and share my insights with you. With that, coming to you live with Farm Tank, Jordan Van Trump. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Chris Gronkowski. Chris grew up in a sports family, but it always has the mindset of an entrepreneur. Chris attended the University of Arizona on a football scholarship and is an ex-NFL player for the Cowboys, Colts, Broncos, and Chargers. After his football career in 2016, he decided to put his entrepreneurial skills to the test with many businesses like Everything Decorated, Gronk Fitness, G&G Fitness, the official Gronk Bus, Herd Crew, Gronk Nation, and the Gronk Bro Show. Chris even appeared on Shark Tank in 2017, scoring a deal with Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez. Chris is currently the owner and inventor of Ice Shaker, and with that, I'd like to welcome Chris to the show. Thanks, Jordan. I appreciate it, man. I like that intro. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, good stuff, and usually do that for everybody on the show, so uh, appreciate that. But uh, before we get started, I'd want to thank my good friend, Zach Nemechek. He uh, set this up for me, a uh, good friend from CrossFit, and he actually went to K-State and played football with Chris's younger brother, Glenn, so just wanted to thank him. Absolutely, man. He's a, he's a good dude. Played uh played tight end and fullback with Glenn, and he liked to hit people. So I hope he oh yeah, he's a fun time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, first question, I guess I got to ask you is my mom has been harping on me all week and wanting to know when the next Kron- when the next Kronkowski cruise is because she said she's going. Oh man, how can you have missed out on that first one? It might have been a one and done, but um. No, now that, that that Rob's and all of us are really done with the NFL now, um, it could be it could be something we bring back. I mean, the the big issue was that there was a casino on the boat, and um, we we saw a lot of drawback because of the NFL's policy with that. So it was really um, something that happened that they wouldn't allow really to happen anymore. So uh, for that reason, we haven't even thought of bringing it back. So I don't know. There could be a possibility to to, to bring game, it back. Man. So we'll see what happens. Good deal. Would yeah, you really let uh, your mom come on the cruise, though? Did she like oh, the party? Yeah. Or? She'd get on there and tear it up for sure. Oh, We'd all nice. go. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's just start this podcast off by uh, you telling our listeners who's been the most influential person in your life. In my life, man. There's, that's, that's crazy. There's a lot of people for sure. Um, you know, starting with our parents, my parents for sure. Um, being there every day, everything they taught us, really uh, to respect, you know, the hustle, the money, everything from day one. We were never, we were never handed anything. So our parents made us earn everything. And at first, I think it was because they really, they had nothing themselves to, um, they couldn't pay for all of our stuff. You know, five boys, my dad hustled, um, my mom worked as much as she possibly could until she had her third kid. And uh, my dad worked two jobs, started his own business. So uh, they were never given anything growing up, and, and neither were we, and that's kind of how they wanted to raise us. So I think that was um, definitely the biggest influence on us with both parents, just you know, showing us the way, uh, showing us what hard work is all about, showing us what the value of a dollar was, and really instilling those values into us that 
or nothing was ever going to be given to us, and, and if we wanted it, we had to earn it. Good deal. Yeah, my parents are pretty similar in that regard. Uh, always out working, I think. I started working at uh, 13 years old. I took my dad's lawnmower, yeah. and I'd just walk around town with the lawnmower mowing lawns when I had time. Absolutely. So. Yeah, yeah it's, got to fill up my own gas us. tank. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. No, no free car, no free college. Uh, it, was, it was one of our main incentives to, to get a scholarship. Was you know they weren't going to pay for college. So uh, if you want to go, you're either paying yourself and or you know you're not going. So that was um, it was it was. I mean, what it was is it was motivation. Is really what it came down to. Uh, and, it, and it really maybe back then at the time when you're a kid you don't realize it, and but it's really. Uh, gives you just a great stepping stone in life that I want to also, you know, have my kids earn everything in themselves. And it's hard because as a parent, the first thing you want to do is give everything to your kids. And and I'm a a parent of two boys now, and uh, it's hard for me already to say say no to them. So um, for my parents to do that, it does take some will and and some courage, and, and you definitely respect them at the end of the day because it's hard to say no. And when they do, it's the best thing for you, so... It is valuable, valuable lessons that we were taught super young and, and carried on for the rest of our lives. Good deal. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm pretty thankful my parents uh, treated me that way too. I'm seeing it start to pay off now. But uh, let's bounce off that a little bit. Our listeners love learning about real people, stories behind their success. Um, maybe just tell our audience a little bit about your early years, maybe a couple defining moments that really impacted your trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, early on, I grew up five boys in Buffalo, New York. Uh, it was mayhem, and we, we fought every day. Uh, it really bred competition, and we were that house that everyone came over to. So, you know, we had I had a couple friends over, you know, older brothers had a couple friends over, and all it turned into was just fights and competition and, and games, really. That's what it came down to. Um, for me, uh, our parents and my mom always made sure we got our work done, though. So our homework was had to be done before. We went outside and played, and um, we're always on top of it, making sure we're always on top of that. So that's really – I think that was a huge turning point for me, especially a defining moment for me was that I had these great grades coming out of of high school, and I wasn't, you know, the the top-ranked athlete, so I didn't have a bunch of Division I scholarships. Uh, My older brother Dan did, and, you know, Rob ended up having every scholarship in the world, but um, I didn't have any. So I was actually going to the University of Pennsylvania – and I, and I like to tell this story because it's kind of crazy. At the last minute, um, I actually got offered a full Division One scholarship to the University of Maryland. And what ended up happening was that they were about to go on academic probation. Uh, they also lost a bunch of recruits that just didn't make it in because of poor SAT scores and, and poor GPA. So they ended up offering me more based on my average and, and my grade point um, average instead of my actual football ability. So uh, just just a cool story to kind of tell tell the kids and, and everyone that it's not just about what you do on the field. It's definitely what you do off the field as well that, that helps out. So my academics actually was what got me the full scholarship that ended up taking me from you know, going Ivy League, which was a great honor and, and would have been awesome, but I would have left college with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and um, ended up going and playing Division One football, and, and the rest was history, just bringing me on a completely different path that I would have never took if it wasn't for my academics. Yeah, one question I wanted to ask you was about you 
getting into pen. Um, so you just decided to pass that up for money reasons, or because I know a lot of my friends went there, and I know a lot of friends that have tried to gotten in, in there, and I know a lot of people would kill to get into that school. It's a pretty amazing yeah. school. I would have loved to go in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's actually accepted into the Wharton Business School as well, which most people have to apply to. Uh, but yeah, because of um, just because it's mostly because of football and um, and that that reason, but. I was able to get into the into the Warren Business School easier, but um, yeah, I would have left. I would have left in paying every every penny. There was no scholarships at the time. They actually changed that right after I graduated college. So if that was um, if that was reversed and, and there was scholarships to offer, that probably would have been 100% the path that I went. But just the fact that I was going to put myself so far behind financially uh, really scared me and, and drove me to. Um, that and then just the competition of playing Division One football um, was, are the two things that really drove me to, to take the, the scholarship offer instead. Yeah, that's understandable. So then you ended up transferring to Arizona, is that right? Yes, yeah. Yep, I was at uh, Maryland for about two years and really uh, an atmosphere that it was tough, man. It was, it was hard nose um, and it was an opportunity where – I was told that I wasn't going to play much, and I saw the chance to leave and, and go play somewhere else and um, enjoy the college football atmosphere instead. And, and I took advantage of it and went to Arizona and ended up, you know, starting and, and playing and, and going on to the next level. So, really, a, a smart play by me at the time. And uh, looking back, probably the best thing I could have done. Yeah, for sure. Um, one question I wanted to ask you is. What was the transition like from college to NFL? You got uh, to play a little college football, play some NFL. He started on some teams. I'm good friends. We actually had one guy in the office used to play uh, NFL with the Cleveland Browns, but I know a few guys that played in the NFL, and they always talk about how the speed of the game changes. It's uh, pretty insane. They always tell me, yeah, it's one thing to be good, but not many know what it's like to be great. So, like, how much faster was the game for you? What was – what were some of those worth ethics like for the best of the best, like even like Tom Brady and your brother and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean it completely changes because it goes from it goes from a game to a job is what really happens. Uh, in college, you're going to see some guys slacking and, and plays are going to be taken off, but when you go to the NFL, it's a job and everything's filmed and, and everyone gets paid. So uh, everyone wants that position, and there's very few of them to be had. As a fullback, there's not even every team that carries one. So 32 teams, you know, there might be you know, 25 guys playing fullback in, out of everyone in the world um, on a given year. So super limited. And for someone that makes it to that level, you're thinking someone who was the, the best player in the high school that became one of the best players in college who became one of the best players in the world. So the opportunity is, I mean, it doesn't come by for everyone. You have to be super talented and you have to be ready for it. Uh, the biggest difference that I noticed and I thought by far was the biggest difference was was the linemen. Uh, the linemen weren't just, you know, these big guys anymore. Um, these guys were athletes. These guys were running down running backs, you know, 10 yards down the field, and they were hustling. They were busting, you know, their ass on every single play. The speed of the speed guys and, and, the, and the guys on the outside of the corners and and the receivers was always there, even in, in high school and in college. You know, everyone could run. There's always fast guys, but 
you can't you don't see the, the absolute freaks in the middle of the field like you do in the NFL. And I thought that was uh, by far the, the biggest difference when you went from college to NFL. Yeah, it seems like that. One of my uh, buddies, Andrew Wilson, I don't know if you know him, he played middle linebacker at Mizzou, but he uh, he's actually the all-time leading tackler there, as most tackles at Mizzou in history. And uh, he went down and he made it through the Dolphins uh, training camp. I think he was down to like the last two or three guys, but didn't end up making it. But he's just came back. He's working in the oil fields now. He's doing really well for himself. But uh, he's like, it's a different level, man. It's I Absolutely. work pretty hard, but as hard as I work, I don't know if uh, I could ever. Some of those guys are just God gifted. He said and have the same worth ethic as him. So yeah, it's but, um, tough, man. And and most of the time, it it really does it. It comes down to injuries as well, and, and a lot of times it's the guy who doesn't get hurt that, that gets that spot as well. So you can't get hurt at the wrong time either, and you got to be ready to go when someone else does get hurt. Yeah. Um, staying on the topic of football, what's the uh, best piece of advice you've ever taken from a coach that you've used every day in your life? Man, I mean, definitely it's got to be don't ever get complacent, man. Uh, and that's that was preached by so many coaches. Uh, you know, when you think you're at the top, when you think you're the best, when you think you got it all figured out, you know, you don't. And you, there's always room to get better. And so I like to think about that with business as well. Kind of when everything's going right and everything's going well, you know, there's always still room to get even better. And so you know, you see it all the time where a really good team goes and plays a team that hasn't won many games, but they end up losing. Um, and it's just because you didn't, you know, you didn't mentally prepare for the game. You kind of thought it was going to be an easy game, but you know, in business and and on the field, there's never there's never a bad you know team that you're going against. Those guys are all talented. Everyone's coming for you. Business, there's always someone coming and trying to do what you're doing or take over what you're doing. So you just always got to be ready, and you always got to be trying to get better and figure out the newer and best thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you, we hear it from – we're pretty big on, like, studying Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and here my dad are – me and my dad are big fans of him. But even our business itself, it's uh, it's one thing to get to the top, but we've seen once you're at the top, you got to work that much harder because everybody's gunning for you. I mean – Absolutely. That's – I'll make what you have. <laughs> I hear you. Um one more question on football. Uh, what's the best tool you've taken away from playing football that's applied in business? In other words, what's a tool that you have that I may not have because you played that level of football in your life? Man, uh, for me, I thought it was, even through college and then the NFL, it was kind of just the, the multitasking and, and the hardworking aspect of it. I mean, in college, you had to wake up super early. Uh, you have to study you then go to work out, and then you go right from that to a mandatory team breakfast, you know, into class, into tests, all that, and then right out to practice, and then you get home and, and you're studying again for the next day, either football or for school. Um, really just figuring out your time, the, the best use of your time, and really figuring out how to learn quick and, and, and implement it and get, get stuff done is really what it comes down to. And I think that was just, um, I mean, that's huge, just working – hard and working long hours as well and just actually doing the work and getting it done. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played played some sports back in my day. I was actually maybe could have gone to school with Zach. I accepted a uh, committed baseball scholarship to K State and ended up backing out, kind of last yeah, second. Re- Not really last second, but uh, decided I was done with baseball. Wanted to focus on academics, have a good time in school. I mean, kind of just came down to my dad. Kind of told me he played. Uh, golf and college and maybe could have had a professional career out of it but decided to shut it down too but he's like becomes a job i mean you got to be out there grinding every day and absolutely that's kind of where i was at but uh yeah absolutely i mean it's it's not stopping even in off season it's still not the off there's no off season (laughs) it's one season you want to be good absolutely it's 24 7 Mm -hmm. uh the whole year 365 and it's nonstop. So, I mean, it's, it's impressive. And it's one of those things I tell a lot of people is, you know, I can't even imagine going back to college and doing that all over again, because it's just a grind, man. It, it really is. And you, once you leave that and you leave that, lose that mindset, it's hard to get it back because you really are. It's, it's all day, every day, either school or, or sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just now, just not getting that grind back. I mean, that was, I mean, I was up 4.30 in the morning and training until 6.30, 8 o'clock at night, doing it all day, every day, and um, kind of went to school, became complacent, as you would say, and uh, kind of lost my grind. I mean, I was doing well in school, but wasn't enough to Absolutely. become successful. And uh, after I graduated, I slowly started getting it back, and now, um, I mean, gosh dang, I probably put in. 90 hour week last week. I mean, I'm just starting to get obsessed again and you probably know how it feels like. So, Oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, your dad was the co-founder of G and G fitness equipment. Uh, what's the best thing he taught you growing up while he was an entrepreneur? Man, it's really everything. We got to see behind the scenes of him taking it from nothing to growing it to, uh, you know, he's the fourth largest distributor of, of specialty fitness equipment now. So I really got to watch it all. Uh, I, I started in the back, you know, delivering treadmills and and assembling them in, in houses and in the middle of, of Buffalo. And uh, it was tough. It was hard work. And it really just showed you how to run a business, how to handle people, how to handle problems as well. And that's just stuff that most people don't see. Uh, everyone sees the glamour and, and thinks it's you know awesome to to be an entrepreneur and make all this money, but that's not the case. I mean, you're the one grinding. You're, you're sacrificing so much and you're making so little, especially at the beginning, because it's all just going back into it and, and trying to grow it and make it better. So uh, this some, that's just stuff that I that I learned and knew what to expect when I entered into the entrepreneurship arena myself. Yeah, I think I can relate to you on that. My dad uh, started this report he does. Uh, it's called the Van Trump Report. It's an agricultural newsletter, but started it about 10 years ago, and he uh, couldn't even pay anybody to take it. He was just writing it. wasn't even writing it in our basement, one of his friends' basements, and now uh, it's grown, and we're uh, the biggest agricultural newsletter there is, and it's pretty crazy what it's become, and I've kind of Followed in his footsteps, starting to start my own stuff. So, it's been fun and definitely an experience. Yeah, something it, crazy. It, it I just, was. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, are oh, you good? No, I was just 
it's just it's just crazy how, like you said, you, you can't even give it away at first, and that's when most people just say, you know, why am I doing this, and they give up. No, it's, it really takes a commitment and a passion and a love for what you're doing to make it successful. No matter how great the idea is, if you don't absolutely love it and you don't put that time in, you're going to fail because there's way too many ups and downs in entrepreneurship. So it's just uh, one piece of advice that I give a ton of people that are just so excited to, to try it and, and they don't necessarily love the idea. They just want to be an entrepreneur. So if you don't love it, you don't have the passion for it, don't even waste your time doing it. I hear you. Yeah, my dad says, my dad would just say, stay at home, go back to sleep, what he would say. Yeah. yeah. Um, something crazy, I was telling my dad actually about this last night, but uh, from what I've read, it seems like your wife was more of an entrepreneur before you. She started the engraving business, everything decorated on Etsy, and it took off. Uh, Tell us a little bit about this business and what happened there. Absolutely, yeah. It was. Um, I think I was going on my third team in three years, and she was traveling with me, and um, she's getting new jobs everywhere she went, and she just got sick of it. So she said, hey, I'm, I'm going to just figure out a way to work from home because I don't feel like applying for a new job every year <laughs> as you get picked up on different teams. So um, she started just hand-painting wine glasses, something that she got one in the mail, really liked it saw a market for it and um, started selling them. And I came home and thought, you know, whatever, this is, she wants to do it. I saw it more as a hobby than anything. But they started selling and uh, quickly she realized she had to find a way to, to to make them faster, to scale them because hand painting took way too long. And so she started doing um, vinyl and vinyl cutting and stuff like that and really picked up the speed, but still at a, you know, at a, at home pace and it was just her. So, um, after that, just I, I came back and saw, you know, kind of what she stumbled upon and how big it could be, and uh, started putting my time and effort into it as well. And we really strategized and looked into the market and realized that just a, a huge opportunity in the personalized gift market, especially in the wedding industry. Uh, so she continued to work and, and build it and build it. And um, when I got released and hurt, uh, I came back and decided to put money more into um, industrial you know, strength, laser engravers and cutters and stuff like that that we could really scale and, and do well with. So just started researching and finding the best products, best markets, and, and best machines to purchase and just grew it from there. Yeah, that's crazy. Even uh, as simple as the idea is, just uh, just like you said, I mean, if my girlfriend was doing that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a good hobby. I'm sure you'll make a little side coin, but it's crazy. Like something like that, you could turn it into a successful business and make tons of money. And I, it just blows Absolutely. my mind every time. Yeah, and something I never thought I'd I would ever ever end up doing. And a lot of people would ask me what I was doing after football, and I would kind of just say, "I'm doing my own thing, kind of deal," <laughs> and not tell them that I was personalizing wedding gifts. But um, no, it, it just it grew and it grew fast and organically because we were providing such a great product and we're and, and service as well. We were able to to turn these personalized gifts around in, in one to two days and ship them within sometimes. And a lot of times, even today, we ship them uh, same day, sometimes within a couple hours of them ordering. So uh, just the, the way we were able to manage the orders and get them out, people were so impressed and 
we just organically grew so fast because of word of mouth. So what I tell people all the time is, is as well is that you don't need to have you know some great idea that no one's ever done before, or you don't need some ridiculous patent that covers you know this this great concept that you thought of. For the most part, all you have to do is find an idea that someone's not you know executing on very well, and just make it better. And that's all we, all we did was we just yeah absolutely we saw an opportunity where there's really no one fulfilling you know this this need that people had and, and the people that were fulfilling it just weren't great at it you know they didn't have great selection they didn't have great turnaround time and we were able to slide into that market and just do a better job than them and that's simply all it was and, and do such a great job that people wanted to tell other people about it yeah same thing on our end I mean I've seen that success so far in Farm Tank, and I mean we mainly have people in agriculture subscribe, but uh, there's a lot of investors and other things like that. But I mean, who who else out there's got Chris Gronkowski doing ice shaker and playing the NFL on their podcast in the agriculture space? I mean that's kind of how I'm going about it as well. So absolutely, we're on the same page there. Um, like it. What's the uh, what was it like being on Shark Tank? That was about a Man, year ago, was, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had our one-year update in November. Uh, so we actually, let's see, filmed for it in, I believe, June of 2017. So almost going on the two-year of filming, but uh, it didn't air until October. So it was uh, it, it was everything you think it is. I mean, it really happens. You get that huge exposure from the show. Uh, the, the, the investors actually give you the money. They actually invest in the company. They help us out. They help us grow it. Uh, it really was a, a way to explode the company and grow it in a very short amount of time. That probably would have took me, you know, four or five years. It took me, you know, six months. So we went from eighty thousand dollars in sales in our first six months, got on the show, aired, and then within the first year after that, you know, we were doing over three million in sales. So just a huge, uh, huge, huge boost for us that really allowed us to to grow it as fast as we possibly could and, and bring in new products and become a, a pretty dominant force in the bottle market. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Then again, it's another another thing almost that proves it's not what you know but who you know. I mean, or getting on the show in general. That's I mean, I'm sure it would have took it off even if you didn't score a deal. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and, and it, as great as it is, I mean, as great as any product is, though, it doesn't matter unless people know about the product. So mm-hmm. what Shark Tank did was it was just exposure. I mean, huge exposure to a product that no one's really ever heard of before. So uh, by doing that, it, it introduced it to you know, 5 million people overnight and became successful because of that reason. For me to organically do that or, or to pay to do that, would have took so much longer to to get it in front of that many people and get the sales and in the revenue to then go out and, and make new products and new colors and new sizes and we were able to take it from one bottle uh, we had one bottle and really one color at the time and now we have over you know, 100 different SKUs so just a huge amount of growth in a small amount of time because of the exposure that we got from Shark Tank. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, some other questions I got for you. Um, some people like these. It makes them think a little bit. But do you have a philosophy by which you live by? Man, uh, 
to me, it's it's just really it's the hard work always pays off, man. And it's so true. Anything you do, if it's easy, it it, end, it never ends up making sense. I mean, when you when you're like, man, this is too easy. Times are too good. There's always something else coming. There's always a reason why it's too easy. So even in business, when you know I get these crazy offers and everything thrown at me, I got to go back to the philosophy and be like, hey. Oh, the hard work pays off. This is way too easy. There's no way this is true. And, and it, oh, it's always the same case. I mean, we'll have some marketing company come at us and say, hey, we're going to have 10 times your money, blah, blah, blah. This is the new, the best strategy ever. And, you know, it never, never ends up being what they say it is. I mean, you always have to put that work in. You always have to grind. You have to do everything you possibly can to, to be successful. Because if it was easy, and like they say it is, everyone would do it, and, and you wouldn't be successful. Mhm. Definitely. I hear that every day. I, uh, son, well, if it, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So, get back to work. Absolutely. Um, what's the biggest misconception about Chris Gronkowski? Man, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, You're a big partier on biggest, cruise ships and don't yeah. do anything. <laughs> the biggest misconception is probably that I'm Rob's younger brother. I get that one all the time. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm the shortest in the family or, or what the deal is with that, but you know, I'm always called the young one, the little brother, the little bro. But um, I think they think I'm Glenn as well, uh, youngest, because kind of, we, we look alike. But uh, but misconception-wise, man, um, I think really what I think it is is that everyone thinks everything's just handed to me. So they're say, you know, they'll say, hey, you know, it must be so nice that, you know, your brother basically built your company for me. And so it just is crazy because no one understands how much work it really takes to put into it. And no matter who you are, I mean, you can you can say that. You know, why can't you say that about every other famous person's brother or sibling or family member? I mean, you have to still go out there. You grind. You put the work in. It's 80 hours a week still, even at this point, with making – I'm, you know, there, I'm not on a salary. I don't even know if um, I've even made my initial investment back at this point. The company's doing great, but all the money's just going back into it. So definitely the biggest misconception is, you know, it must be it must be so easy for you because of your family and, and your fame. Yeah, I agree. It, I mean, yeah, it does play a role and thankful for it, but uh, at the same time, it I mean, it definitely it's not, does help out. I'm not just like yeah. sitting on the couch chilling and printing money. <laughs> yeah, and what I tell people, and this is kind of eye opener for them as, as well as, you know, it does. It definitely helps. I mean, 100% helps, and I can't argue that. But um, you know, when I first started the company and I got my first shipment in, and I posted my first time about the bottle, I was so excited about it, and I was telling everyone, I was posting on all my social media, I was doing everything I possibly can. You know, that week, you know, we might have sold a couple bottles max. I think I sold one or two of them. I don't even know if they came from my social media posts or where they came from, but it wasn't just that, hey, oh, you guys are famous. Yo, I'm going to buy the hell out of your product. It was the complete opposite. There was absolutely no customer base. There was no trust in the product. They'd never heard of it before. They could care less of, about the actual product, and that's when I realized that, hey, this is going to be an absolute grind, and I'm going to have mm -hmm. to put... You know, I'm going to have to build this thing myself because people aren't just going to buy. They're going to buy once they know what it is, they trust it, and then it, then it helps that you can put a name and association with it. 
Yeah, I agree. Let's uh, let's move aside from your career a little bit. Um, tell me from a personal perspective what makes Chris tick. From what you've told me, seems like you have a pretty active lifestyle. Uh, you said you work out a bunch. What's a daily workout look like for you? Yeah, man. Um, man, grinding every day for the most part. Um, waking up, I usually get up before 5 o'clock and, um, in the gym. I try to get in the gym by 5. I get a good pump, man. Uh, really switched up my workout since playing. I, I go more of just to, to look good and, and do higher reps and less weight and try to look good and feel good. And then um, really like to go and just do cardio afterwards. So I, I try to play basketball three or four times a week and really allows me to also compete and, and feel like a part of a team, which you miss once you, once you leave football. But, you know, I'm just without it. I just feel like uh, my day's never started. If I wake up, I walk, you know, I, I wake up, eat, just walk into work. Really never that energized. I really have, don't have that enthusiasm. just need to get up and get going and, and get that lift in and really feel like I accomplished something so then I could go on and, and have a great day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always, uh, that's me with working out. It's always just uh, right there in the back of my head, it seems like, all day if I don't ever do it. Yeah. And I can't ever get anything done for some reason. Um, From what you told me, Zach told me, quite a few people told me, it seems like you're pretty close with your family. Uh, You tell me a little bit about them, your wife and two sons, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Two boys, um, two years old and and 10 months today, actually, the younger one. But, um, yeah, met my wife in, I think, before middle school, <laughs> we grew up down the street from each other, so uh, been together pretty much our whole lives, um, all the way through college and, and through NFL and all that, so it's been good, man. Um, you start to have kids, and, and the whole journey gets even crazier, but uh, both both working and running our own businesses at this time, so it's, it's, it's hectic. I mean, we both have to find time. Uh, and then also balance the kids. So I would like to I like to get home before they even wake up, so I can try to get my workouts done and, and my cardio, do all that before they even wake up, and then be there for the kids, feed them all that, and then head to work and be able to get home and, and take the kids for a little bit, so she can get some stuff done as well. So it's it's been uh, it's crazy, but it's good crazy, man. I would always rather be busy than be bored. <laughs> Definitely, I hear you there. I got. I uh, like to say I got some like type of ADHD going. Like I always got to be doing something. Can't just be Absolutely. sitting in one spot. What's uh? What about your brothers? What are they up to? You said uh, I guess everybody's done with sports now. So yeah, um, let's see. The oldest brother, uh, Gordy, is he's working for my dad as a his New England rep for our company G and G Fitness. So my dad's been in the fitness industry for almost thirty years now, and. Uh, Gord's going to go into you know every gym, every college, every high school, um, healthcare center in the New England region, and just make sure they have the right equipment and 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 see if he can sell them some some good stuff, some high quality equipment that we used when we were growing up. Um, my brother Dan does all the marketing. is based out of Buffalo uh, for G&G Fitness as well, and has also helped grow the the Grok Fitness line, which is more of a accessory line so smaller items uh like push sleds boxes uh all your accessory bars 
just smaller items that uh, we were able to capitalize on and sell online as well and grow the company that way because um, the other equipment my dad was selling is pretty much all commercial grade and, and high end and all stuff that has to be delivered and installed. So this really gave us uh, a further reach by starting Gronk Fitness. Uh, so then Rob just, just retired, so we're excited to see what he's going to do next. I have no idea. He's been throwing so much stuff at him already. So I'm, I'm super excited to see what he figures out and, and where he goes next. And then uh, the youngest brother, Glenn, is here with me, so he's helping out uh, really with everything here. Uh, he helps with everything decorated mostly, but we're always just thoughts and ideas off each other and, and helping each other out. Yeah, he graduated. What did he graduate? Two, three years ago? Uh, yeah, um, let's see. Probably. Four. Yeah, he's right around there. I think probably three years, three or four years ago. Yeah, cool. Good deal. Um, he told me the your favorite place you ever been was the Super Bowl in particular last year. What's it like going to a game like that? I'm hoping next year oh, I can man. go with my Chiefs. Yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to be good for quite. Quite some time now, man. They oh, really, uh, I mean, they have Did you the go talent. to the playoff game in Kansas City? I did. I was freezing. Yeah, I was I there too. That through. Me and my parents. Yeah, that was crazy. Yep. I had to stand on some cardboard because my feet were, they were freezing, man. That was, that was a, that was a crazy game too. And when it went into overtime, my feet were not too happy about it, but <laughs> yep. it's all good. Good time. But yeah, the Super Bowl, man, it, it it's an unreal experience. I mean, especially when you have a family member in it. You know, the first half was kind of boring, but we knew it was going to be that way. It was a defensive battle, two minds just going at it, and they were really doing a great job of just tricking the offenses. So if you watched it from a strategy point, it was actually super interesting. But as a, just a, a fan that likes to see big plays and and a lot of touchdowns, it was really boring in the first half. But, I actually uh, yeah. uh, prefer those games. I kind of like baseball. There's a lot more strategy in it than just uh, throwing Hail Marys and guys outrunning each other. Yep, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, defensive-wise, great game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, unreal way to go out um, of, a, of a career, an outstanding career to, to win in a Super Bowl and, and have one of the biggest catches ever to, to solidify the win. Yeah, that was uh, – game changer and T Brady's still going at it yeah crazy yeah. man <laughs> um who are some of your favorite players that you've met or played with along the way in your uh college NFL career man I had a good run or man. even really meeting did. people in Rob's career yeah um no like someone like Tom Brady you don't really see him outside of football but uh I, no, I, had a, I had a great Every team I was on had had amazing players. I started in Dallas, and the whole team was just superstars, man, when I was there, and everyone was really cool. I, I liked uh, – one of my favorite players there was, was DeMarcus Ware, just someone at the time who was you know, all pro, killing it, pro bowler, and just that he would actually sit down and, and talk to you and give you some time, and you're like, man, it's impressive that he would talk to an undrafted, you know, free agent rookie when he's you know he's he's on top of the game, on top of the world at that time, so a really cool guy. I would actually work out with him outside of football, and you know, he invited me to come get some lifts in and stuff like that. So um, definitely respect for him. I love going on to Indy and, and seeing Peyton, meeting Peyton in person, and uh, and playing with him, and getting in the huddle with him because he just he really was a, a guy 
that is the same guy in the commercials, man. He's he's a commander on the field, but at the same time, you know, he's he's funny, man. He's he really is, and uh, that is his, he's not playing a character on you know his commercials. He, that's really his his personality in real life. So uh, super interesting to see just how you can balance and and be such a a demanding basically coach on the field, but then also have you know an attitude to have fun as well. Yeah, that's a pretty cool lineup of people you know. Um, but what's uh, what's still on the bucket list for you travel-wise? Bucket list travel-wise, man. I really, the first time I left the country was actually last month. Um, went to Puerto Vallarta in, in Mexico. So I think there's still a lot of opportunities there for me uh, travel-wise, man. Uh, really, first place would probably be to stay stateside and go to somewhere like Hawaii and um, – that would probably be the first spot and then venture out from there. It's tough currently just with, with the little kids. Uh, so we like mm-hmm. to kind of keep it, keep it close to home for now. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been out to Hawaii either. Do you like Mexico? Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, leaving the country is a little different though, man. It's a little, a whole new world out there. A little scary. <laughs> yeah. I've been bit. down to Mexico a few times and, uh, been up to Canada. That's not near as bad, but uh, that's all I've left the country. That's it. Yep, you're, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Yep. I've had a few people on the show. They've. I think one guy said he's been to close to every country except like ten or something. He's. Wow. I don't even know. That's I'm impressive. like, Wayne, what are you doing? Just professional traveler. Yeah, for real. Uh, at that yeah. point. Uh, yeah, I'm like, gosh, dang, he was rattling, like, Russian stuff off on traveling and, like, some place down in Peru. I'm like, I don't even, I couldn't That's imagine all that. Man. I mean, you have, to, you have to either just love traveling or you have to know a lot of languages. And I mean, it's hard. Oh, yeah. like, you don't, when you don't know an area, I mean, it's tough, man. It's, it's, mm-hmm. And you don't know if, if people are just trying to get you because you, they know you're a tourist or you really don't know. And you have to kind of be careful what you're doing as well, so... That's pretty impressive to 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 rack up all those countries and still be able to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, let's uh, let's transition a little bit and talk about what you're doing now with Ice Shaker. Just uh, tell me a little bit about the company and what exactly you guys do. Absolutely, yeah. So it's um, really came about because I was just living an active lifestyle and. I started, uh, you know, going. I was going to the gym every day and bouncing around, doing everything, going to work, and went to the gym one day. And my bottle, the shaker bottle I was using, I made some pre-workout or what I was drinking, and took it to the gym afterwards. And by the time I got there, you know, it it had no ice left in it. There was condensation everywhere. I was making little sweat rings on the floor in the gym, and I went to take a sip, and it smelled horrible. And I'm like, man, there's there's got to be something else out there that's better than this. This has been the same bottle that's been around for 20 years and went home, looked for something insulated and that could be easily, you know, put supplements in, shake it. And there was just nothing out there on the market designed to do this with. So uh, at that point it was something that it was my mission to, to make this product for myself. But, um, you know, I thought it was something else that some that everyone would love. It, it fixed a lot of issues that, the, you know, the same, the shaker cup had for the last 20 years. So, I uh, saw the opportunity and just jumped on it. So now we went from uh, that when it got on Shark Tank, exploded, it went from one bottle to 
Uh, I think we have seven or eight different variations of actual bottles now and then multiple colors and patterns in, in every bottle. So uh, we can really have a, have a bottle for everyone and uh, have even expanded into other areas, including proteins and protein cookies and, and stuff like that as well. So we have a, a protein coffee that does really well. It's uh, 20 grams of protein and, and equal to Nemo's always express. giving it to me. Oh, yeah. So that's uh, been a, a home run for us as well, and we just um, we just purchased. Uh, I personally purchased a, a protein cookie company as well. That's really good, and it's doing really really well for us. Good deal. Um, seems like there's a ton of competition in this space with protein protein shakes. I mean, you're seeing different protein shake bottles pop up every day. It seems like. I just want to know how you. Uh, keep a competitive advantage with Ice Shaker. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still think that we by far have the best bottle on the market. Um, I think that we blow out everyone on the competition, even even other bottles um, that really aren't geared towards us or geared towards supplements, just water bottles in general. Um, I think we, and people look at, at us as a, a bottle just for supplements, but really we're we're the ultimate water bottle is what it comes down to. We're a water bottle that just has a lot more features that can be used really for anything at any time. And that's why I love the product. And I think that's what people see once they buy it. But we're also, you know, first to market, you know, we have the brand, uh, we have the customer service, we have the loyalty. We give, and like I was saying earlier, it doesn't necessarily even mean to be, you know, some brand new idea that no one's ever thought of before with a patent behind it. Uh, we have design patents and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, it's all about just doing it better than everyone else. And we do that by taking the feedback of the customers and actually applying it. So we're on our third actual bottle design, uh, the very original one. We came out with the second one right before uh, Shark Tank aired, and we're actually on a third edition, so a 2019 edition of our same 26-ounce bottle that now has you know more features that customers were looking for and fixes to any issues that we had in the past that, that customers were, were complaining about. We took all that feedback and we spent a lot of money and a lot of time creating a new lid with a new handle, with a new pop top, with a new agitator that, that customers wanted to see. So for us, our competitive advantage is just taking our customers' feedback and actually applying it and doing and making the best product that we possibly can. Being open to change. Absolutely, and I think a lot of a lot of companies are against it because it is a lot of work. It's hard to do, and you know maybe they'll do it every couple of years, but we've already went through three different makes in in, in less than two years in business. You got to be shifting your turrets every day. That's uh, how we do it. We're I don't know. I mean, I think every day this week, every day last week, we're coming up with new stuff, changing stuff, trying to get better of what works, what doesn't work. I mean. Automatic. I mean, if you're doing it, I mean, you're getting an automatic uh, response, and you just got to be used to failure is what we've seen, and a lot of people just don't like to fail. Absolutely, and, and you got to know that you bring in something that's just not working. You know, it's time to cut it. It's time to figure out something else. It's time to figure out why it didn't work, and and a lot of times the negative feedback is the best thing you can ask for. You know, a lot of people. It's easy for people to say, "Hey, I love it. It's great." You know. It's sometimes not as easy for someone to say, "Hey, I I don't like it, and here's why," and actually give you constructive criticism instead of just saying this sucks. Uh, so we we like when when 
you can actually do that and and take that response and that feedback and then either explain to them you know that your product does do this or this is how it it does work and, and you're just not doing it correctly or you know, take that feedback and actually fix the problem that they are having mm-hmm so yeah like you talked about um, you've gone from one ice shaker model to over 80 you had over 80 SKUs. you're getting into the protein space you're getting in some other spaces um, do you think this is better off for the company or are you you think you could potentially maybe lose focus and you're getting a little bigger? I mean, we've seen it in, like, Eddie Bauer back in the day. They kind of expanded and got into some new stuff. And even Under Armour now, that's one people can relate to. They decided to jump in the shoe space and Nike crushed yeah. them. I mean, they kind of got out of their focus, what, they're, what they were good at. I mean, what are, you, what are you seeing on that front? Yeah, I think that um, – for us, it was a play on, um, you know, trying to hit every demographic. We were seeing that most of our bottles were being purchased by older females, and they weren't necessarily the end user, but they were the ones buying them for their husbands or their kids or their grandkids. And so for us, uh, we grew big, we grew fast, and we and we wanted to hit every demographics because we wanted to take advantage of, of the people that were buying. So really... Um, that growth was awesome. It, it now came to the point where, hey, we hit that growth. We got pretty much segmented every a bottle for every demographic, and now we could really start to focus on what's selling and why and what people really like to see and then really hone in on those and, and just do a great job with that. And so we will start to cut back and focus on more of what sells the best and push that more. So uh, it just took it really took time to kind of learn the market and, and what – and what we needed to, to focus on the most. So we will definitely uh, slow down with the, the expansion and focus more on, on the individual product lines that are doing well for us. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, do you guys like offer a kit? I do find it pretty interesting that you offer the bottle and the protein powder maybe. Do you guys do like a little combo deal you sell? Or? Uh, some, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely – so we'll do bundle packages. Uh, we do them more as a, a sales incentive certain times of the year. Uh, we'll, we'll throw a protein in in January for a slim and trim kind of a deal uh, with people trying to get back in shape and offer a good price on it, introductory price, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Bundles have always been huge, and we, we do need to do a better job of offering a, a bundle pack. And now with the cookie, it, it just gives us even more incentive to do it. Yeah, that's something I don't really see a whole lot of bundles. I mean, there are bundles, but it, it in the protein space, but it does it at the same time. It's like junk almost. Like I don't know, and bundles usually never turn out to what you think they're going to be. But I think you could definitely exactly. make a big play producing quality stuff. But uh, you guys got an impressive. You're, you got some impressive business partners. It's, I believe it's your only investors from what I found, but it's Mark Cuban and A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez. But uh, what's it like working with these guys? It's good, man. Um, with Mark, we're, we're in Dallas, so we're close. Uh, he gets a lot of events and different speaking opportunities that I'm able to go to because I am local. Uh, most of his companies that he invests in are local. I think there's three of us that are. So I get to meet the, and talk with the same three companies a lot, but um, we're able to do different panels and speaking engagements that have been great for us for networking and just getting you know, the brand out there. Uh, he also has a whole team built out to help us out. So if I have any questions or concerns, I can call up someone on his team and say, hey, 
you know, I'm, I'm looking to partner with this company or they threw this offer at me. Have you guys ever worked with them in the past? Any suggestions? And they're always going to have somebody or they're going to have some kind of advice to help me out. So huge for, uh, for networking, making connections, advice, really anything that you need they've probably dealt with in the past and can help you out with. So uh, super, super helpful, especially to be close to them. And, uh, you know, they came in and landed big deals for us immediately with companies like GNC where we went into 3,500 GNCs um, almost immediately after airing. So it's been a great partnership. And then Alex has, has done the same, similar stuff, uh, just getting us into gyms and then just really good at being able to, to promote. I mean, he's, he, he likes social media. He's has his own YouTube channel now and, and, uh, he's just really good at promoting the product. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, what's the best advice both of them have given you relating to business? Oh man, I, so I, really with with Mark, I'm just anytime I need some serious advice, I can I can email him directly. Um, just stuff like hey, you know, what should I should I you know go to their margin they're asking for on, on a big deal like GNC or something like that, or you know I'm scared to lose this deal so I drop the price and. You know, he'll, his his responses back are are awesome. They're only usually a couple words long, but they get the point across right away. Uh, advice wise, though, I mean, it's more of me talking to his team. If I need advice, it's it's something that you know he's multi billionaire, and I didn't expect to be able to just call him at any moment and say, "Hey, what's your advice on mm-hmm. this?" Uh, if it's a really big decision, he'll, he's he's definitely there to help out. But for the most part, I'll deal with uh, with his team instead. What's the uh, one thing I, I was reading up, and I remember watching you guys air on Shark Tank, and I was reading up on it, and I remember you tried to get a deal with Lori too. What was uh, all three of them? What was your theory behind that? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was the fact that you know she does have QVC, and she's really good at sourcing product, and she's a really good at marketing product. Um, I also saw it as a great opportunity to jump on board with some of her other products that she's absolutely crushing with. Um, I, what is it, the spin board or whatever? Uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember what, what it's actually called, but uh, a product that's in the fitness space that they've sold $100 million worth of. You know, I saw this as a huge connection to partner up with them or, or do something with them where you know you can offer both products at the same time or, or at least get their customer base and and, and do like shared email blasts and, and social and stuff like that that can really benefit us. I also saw Lori as someone who's, you know, you see her on the shows with the products. I mean, she's out mm-hmm. there and, and she's hustling, she's grinding. She, her face is, is on the packaging on some of these products and you know, she's doing the work. So um, I thought she would have been a, a great addition. But, I mean, everything works out the way it does. And a lot of times, too, when you just put too many people in the mix, nothing really gets done. So. Yeah, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing, but it just worked out the way it worked out. They wouldn't let her in, so there was no other option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like uh, Mark or Lori would definitely take the lead, and I'm sure they'd just be button heads the whole time. They're both kind of <laughs> that way. <laughs> it seems like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's and that's definitely the problem. I mean, a lot of even the big corporations and stuff you deal with is just. When there's too many decision makers, it ends up being a problem. You know, it ends up yeah. nothing ends up getting done. So, uh, kind of like when 
there's less people involved and, and you know, you just have one person to either say yes or no. Yeah. Last question on iShaker. Uh, where do you see the company in the next three to five years? Man, I see it everywhere. Uh, every gym, we're trying to push more into retail. Um, it, we, we did get a vendor uh, license from Lifetime Fitness to go into all 128 locations. So uh, we, we'll start hitting shelves there within the next couple months. But, yeah, really trying to, to push more into retail, get more eyeballs on it, and just get more exposure and, and blow the product up. Um, I think we're at the point where we are ready for that uh, with the third bottle. I think when people see it now, they're intrigued by it immediately, and once they start using it, they realize that it's a far superior product than what's out there at the same price point. So uh, I know if we can get it in people's hands and in front of people and eyeballs on it, that it's going to do really well. So. That's really um, our game plan for this year to, to really try to push forward with, with retail and, and get it in people's hands and in front of them face. Good deal. I like to uh, end with a little bit of fun on the podcast, but uh, can you finish this sentence for me? Chris Gronkowski is... Man, the ultimate entrepreneur, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. What, what, what are the other business? Tell us a little bit about the other businesses you guys are doing. Absolutely. Um, so we had we started with everything decorated, um, then moved to uh, Ice Shaker, and then you know we have the protein coffee company as well, and then um, we just purchased the protein cookie company. Mm-hmm. Well, you got is, the. Uh, uh, I'm talking company. about like uh, the Gronk, the Gronk yeah. Plus. Do you do much with that or? Yeah, I mean, we started the Gronk Plus as more of a, something to have fun with, but it really grew legs on its own, and uh, we do have a a party bus company that rents it out for us now. So people use uh-huh. it really for everything. It is our personal um, party bus when we're in town, but people nice. now rent it out for games. Um, they rent it out for weddings, prom, really anything you want. And that thing's pimped out. It's awesome. I wish I, I could have rented it out when I was in high school for prom. So yeah, Zach that, told um, me you guys uh, had a po- – you guys do a podcast? You and Glenn or – yeah, we did uh, during during the season, the NFL season, uh, based more around uh, sports betting. And now that it was mm, legal, okay. really, really cool concept to just get into and talk about games from a behind-the-scenes perspective. So we did a, a 26-week-long podcast and went through the whole NFL season. Cool. So you kind of just break it down of who you think is going to win and more strategy about it than just favorite team? Absolutely, yeah. Um, really break it down and why we think they're going to win or certain matchups and what it's like to to travel on the road, you know, what it's like during a bye week, what it's like coming off a bye week, you know, being a practice squad player, getting called up, really anything you could think of um, that affects how people bet or why teams win or anything that we possibly could think of and, and share our knowledge about, we were, we were we did so on our on our podcast. What's that called? That was called the the Gronkcast. Oh, the Gronkcast, cool. And that, you guys gonna do it again next year? Uh, so yeah, we're still. I'm not sure. We're still debating it. Um, uh, we'll see what kind of offers we get for it, and then we'll go from there. All right. Well, all my betting friends out there, be on the lookout for it. We got some. I like it. We got some friends that uh, like to throw some money around at some games. So. I think well, everyone. Uh, has they'll some be, they'll like be getting that. addicted. <laughs> All right, but uh, before we wrap things up, 
I would just love for you to tell our listeners one piece of advice or life lesson that's had the most impact on Chris Konkowski. A piece of advice or, or life lesson? Yep, most impact. Uh, okay. So let's see. Uh, I'd like to tell a story. I was, let's see, we were at baseball practice. I was probably, man, maybe 14 years old. And uh, my dad's friend was coaching the team, and he told us to run around the pool, and I was the best player on the team. And, you know, I, th- I thought I was the man. And so we ran around it. I touched the pool. I ran back. And um, you know, I was the first one done, all that. And he said, well, you know, you didn't run around the pool. And so I said, yeah, I ran to the pool, and, and I touched it and ran back. And he said, well, everyone else ran around it. You you didn't run around it. You just touched it. You didn't listen to what I said. Uh, and so, you know, I was like, you know, blew him off completely, whatever. I'm not listening to you kind of deal. And uh, so my dad came to pick me up that day and was like, you're walking home. And so at that time, I'm like, why? I, I didn't understand. But, I mean, just really, he said, you know, that just you're disrespecting your coach is what it came down to. He asked you to do something. You didn't do it correctly. You know, you didn't redo it for him. And so the lesson was you better listen up because this is somebody that could help you out further down the road. And it could be anyone. There's no reason to – to disrespect anyone, especially others. So this guy, uh, my coach, ended up being you know, an AD at the University of Buffalo at Syracuse and you know, still friends and good friends with the family today, still helps us out to this day. And uh, so really just a, a good lesson to, to, really, you know, to, to never disrespect anyone, no matter who you think they are, and, and do what you're told and do it right. Yeah, I definitely uh, I learned that lesson the hard way too, so. <laughs> something in common for us but um <laughs> i think that's it for our farm tank session today i appreciate the advice appreciate the uh time you've taken to do this with me it really does mean a lot and um i encourage everybody out there to get ice shaker i went and got myself one last night gonna test it out uh where can everybody yeah. go to for ice shaker chris the website i or? love it yeah, absolutely. So our best selection, all of our bottles uh, are going to be on iShaker.com. And then, you know, we are on Amazon as well. People just refuse to shop on the site. We have a, a pretty good selection on Amazon. Um, we are in all the GNCs, but it, it's very limited selection in the GNCs. But, uh, yeah, iShaker.com for sure is going to get you everything you need. Free shipping over 50 bucks. You know, we have the cookies. We have the protein coffee have every bottle style, size, shape, color, pattern in stock and, and ready to go. And we ship everything usually within the within 24 hours, most of the time, same day. Perfect, perfect. Sounds good. Uh, I know I got some gym freaks out there too replying to all my CrossFit stuff I post out there. So you guys better be buying it. But um, Hey, absolutely, man. Like well, I said, it doesn't well, even look. have to be for the gym. Ultimate bottle for everything, man. So. Anywhere you go, you and, and really everything's designed, and, and what's cool is our, our latest bottle that we just came out with is 36 ounces, and it's big, but it still fits into cup holders. So people Perfect. go crazy for it because, you know, everyone's trying to drink more water. Everyone's trying to, you know, less refills and, and just carry more with you, and it's so inconvenient with some of these bigger bottles that don't fit into a backpack or into a cup holder, and we wanted to make sure we designed something that everyone loved using and was easy to carry. So check it out. Taking uh, over, was, taking over Yeti still, one day at a time. Absolutely, man. And that product was dropped just last month. So 
Still, uh, okay. still expanding a little bit, but slowing down on, on the expansion and really trying to focus in on what does the best for us. All right, good deal. We'll uh, we'll stay in touch. Uh, I got a lot of buddies down in Dallas, so if I'm ever that way, I'll give you a shout. Maybe we can grab some lunch or something. I love but, it, man. Uh, love to have you. Perfect. Well, we'll stay in touch, and I appreciate it. And uh, have a good day. Reach out if you ever need Thanks, anything. Man. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on the show. All righty. See you, Chris. Take care. Bye.